0: Hey, my name is Nancy from WTSR. I'm here with Patrick from the Rad Trads. What's up, Patrick?
1: Not much.
0: (laughs) All right, so we'll be chatting about uh, your music that we are presenting for World College Radio Day on October 2nd, 2020. So to begin um, with your first track that we'll be playing is called Freewheelin'. So immediately when I listened to the song, I just, I got such good vibes from the song. So how do you imagine people listening to your music?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think because we're a band that, which is really rare these days, that like started out playing live, Mm -hmm. um, I think we definitely feel a connection between how people experience it when we play it live and how they experience it at home. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So I guess maybe we want you to listen to it at home like you're at a show, just jumping around, spilling beer on people next to you, you know? No matter, (laughs) even if you're you're on the subway, whatever, still spill your beer.
0: Definitely, yeah. So it's a lot of your music um, has a lot of, um, so there are four people in the Rad Rides. And yes. so what's that been like during the coronavirus? So it's like usually you're all together performing live. How is that translated during yeah. the pandemic?
1: I mean, as of now, it sort of hasn't translated. Um, yeah, we haven't played a show or even, at the beginning we were doing live streams, but they were all from our respective houses and people would trade off. That didn't really feel like the band because it literally was not the band, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that is, yeah, it's definitely. I think we are a band like ours is especially disadvantaged compared to a group that or someone that maybe makes their music in their bedroom by themselves and like can just keep doing what they do, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but we have been able to, you know, just work remotely. Two of the two of the band members are living in Portland right now, and then two of the band members are still in Brooklyn. I'm in, I'm still in Brooklyn um and so we we record, we got really lucky in hindsight because we recorded an album like 7 days before the shutdown maybe maybe 2 weeks
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and so we were a, we've been finishing that album like remotely like going back and forth talking on zoom talking on the phone sending mm-hmm. emails about mixed notes and even like recording individual parts and then sending them to our producer and mm-hmm. then um Yeah, so, and that actually has been, this part of the process of the record probably would have taken place that way, either way.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So that's actually, this song Freewheeling that we're about to play is is from that session. It's the first song we're gonna release from our February recording session.
0: Nice, nice. Awesome. That's a good
1: example of of this process where we were going back and forth about it and there were different overdubs we added and then, it was a, a great moment. If you listen to the chorus, and it's like, we kind of And there's those high, high vocals that are like, oh, no. Those were like, I think we were submitting the song on a Friday, and at midnight on a Thursday, I sent an email that was like, you know, I think this could use like backing vocals in the chorus, like some high backing vocals. Uh, I don't know if it's too late. So maybe just bring up the organ and sort of sound like that. And then Alden, who's in Portland, and I guess it helps that he was three hours earlier time, time zone wise, was like, like recorded the idea and sent in it like three part harmony of him from his house going, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so that was a funny one where,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you play um, saxophone keys and vocals for the yes. Rides. Rides. Um, but what is it like um, collaborating with other artists in the band and like creating a song like from the beginning and now with like f- uh, producing the album?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's interesting because I would say that this is a collaborative project at, by, in its nature, but also we've been in this band for so long together. I don't know if you know about our history, but we've been together since two 2000- thousand.
0: Twelve?
1: No, I think they're back. Two thousand eleven. Oh, Okay. Which one of those is correct? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, my the, the end of my junior year of college, and I'm twenty nine years old. So, mm-hmm. so I was twenty when this band started. So it must have been. Anyway, let's not waste time with that. <laughs> but so so we this is a collaboration, but also it's like we've only really for the most part this is like how we're all used to making music. Like being in this band is what we always have been. So it's kind of unique in that way
0: yeah definitely how did you discover what you wanted to like what your genre was in music because clearly there's a lot of like awesome horn sections in the the songs and it's like but then there's also deep roots and rock and roll and even punk what was that yeah
1: (laughs) um yeah I think it's definitely a journey going back to like how how um how long the band has been together. It also was very different when it started. It was a eight piece like brass band oh, wow. and we so it's four horns, mm-hmm. two drummers, guitar and bass and um, And so now we're down to four central people. And then there's there's someone who's basically the fifth member that will be playing drums with us. Although is, you know, that's, you know, it he was he was going to play drums with us quite a lot this year, all over the world. But, mm-hmm. but, um, so I think that it was, de- it was definitely a long journey. If I were to say, if you listen to the discography, you can actually kind of hear it happening chronologically, which is like the first record we're like playing traditional blues songs and traditional New Orleans music. And then the second record or the first full length, which is called must we call them Rattrads is definitely like the next step in that, which is like, like Alan Toussaint and like the band, which is like, you know, maybe if that music was from the twenties, thirties, forties, that's like the sixties interpretation of that same type of music. And then the next record, it's like a little further forward where it sort of sounds like the band around in Tucson, like also like meeting like a sort of like Dr. Doggy, like vibey thing. People told us that they hear that on that record. Mm-hmm. So it, it is almost like the band itself is learning the history of like American rock and roll music chronologically. And then also just thinking like about, always about, I think the fact that we were a band with a million people in it meant that we always, we've always, even now in our five piece iteration, feel like we have to bring as much energy as that. Like we feel like we did a terrible show if it's like even slightly boring for one second. So Mm -hmm. I think it's always trying to create, yeah, it's definitely like a little big band in that sense. Yeah. Um, And then I think that just in terms of horns specifically, I think that horns are awesome, but also can be so cheesy. So I think that the essence of our horn writing is like trying to make it really awesome without being cheesy. So like not, using really like stock horn things, but doing something unexpected with the horns, Mm -hmm. Um, which is cool because if it's an unexpected horn thing, already horns are kind of unexpected. So I think it's a pretty fresh sound. The average person you hear it here, ah, the horn, that's, you know.
0: Yeah. It's very innovative. Like, and it's like, it's very tasteful how it's done throughout the songs.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you feel that way. That's definitely the goal.
0: So for your next track, um, Spanish Radio, there's an awesome introduction and like even the lyrics start like listing different locations like New York, Brooklyn, Staten Island, New Jersey. So and clearly now the band like you all began in Brooklyn, but now you've like some of you now live in Portland. How has um, your location influenced um, your music and your band? Good
1: question. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say good question after every question. They're great questions. <laughs> That one is actually, that one and Wheeling are both actually written by our bass player, Mike Carlin. And there's a joke, which is not really related to, to Influence, about how Mike always writes songs like naming like roads or like highways or like talking about driving. Um, and he does like drive a lot. Like we played this one show where, the, our last show that we played, we were playing all the material on our new album, which, which is not out yet or it like, hasn't really been released in. And that happened to be one where like every, almost every song that Mike sang that night had like a, and someone came up to him afterwards and was like, so do you just like only write songs about like highways? Is that like your thing? But, but I think definitely Brooklyn and New York in general, because we did used to live in Manhattan, like it's yeah, definitely our, in a way our biggest influence. Although we've traveled all over the world, there's just nothing like New York and just the, the level of musicians that we, the people that we met along the way a lot of musicians that you have met along the way um, has definitely been like the biggest yeah, thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so along with um, the instrumentation of the different songs, in live shows, um, have you done improvisation? Do you ever try and like um, improvise different styles like from what you've originally written or is it usually just to like, to the song that you've produced?
1: Yeah, I think that there are times where we do, where there's like improvisation, like the Spanish radio song, there is like this sort of horn freak out in the middle. And that is, we're definitely improvising. It's more like, it's almost like avant-garde improvising where it's just all like sounds. just like
0: but
1: like it's improvising. So I think we're don't, we don't treat it in like a jammy way. Like if we're not gonna like play a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus and take like a long solo over the song and then like end it like a, you went on a bar gig. Mm-hmm. Like if we're, if we're gonna have like especially extended improvisation in the song, it's gonna be like really built in. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna be a huge part of the, the composition. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but, but our roots, everyone's roots in the band is definitely in improvisation, even before singing. Like everyone is pretty much a self-taught singer that learned how to sing in this band. And like for the most part entered this band like as an instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely my background. Um, and our earliest gigs, I guess I keep bringing this up, but when we first started playing, we started playing three hour bar gigs and we like never rehearsed. So mm-hmm. we would just get like eight people on stage and we would just wing it. So we're very comfortable with that. If anything, we just, we don't lean on it because it feels like maybe it would be lazy to, to. Like, we like we've grown out of it, that phase, you know? Yeah. But still want that to be a part of definitely
0: the sound. Mm-hmm. I like how you mentioned how the band pretty much is all kind of self taught with singing like Mm -hmm. from like joining the band what was that like what role do you think singing plays in like your style of music do you find most musicians just kind of come across singing like oh this is something I have to do like what's the process for you? Yeah I think it's
1: different for everyone Mm -hmm. um I mean obviously for us it was sort of almost like it was both like an, an inspired choice and like a necessary evil um but I think that ultimately, I think it's true for most people, whether they started with it or whether they were like, yeah, musicians, instrumentalists who taught themselves how to sing. Like the talking about genre, like I think that your vocal limitations are almost gonna define your genre before you pick it, unless you're like ridiculously incredible. Like I know one, I can think of one vocalist who lives in Brooklyn who I would call like a genre defying vocalist, who like mm-hmm. I've seen him sing like Bob Dylan and like Lou Reed and like Outkast, like Boyz to Men, like all with like the same level of authenticity. But I think he's like the only person I've ever seen. And then even like seeing like the average person that can compete on American Idol, like do a Dylan cover can be like kind of cringe. You yeah. know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I think definitely, yeah, we've all had to figure that out. And it's like, it, it, I think it becomes the biggest, and it can be, it's great. Cause it's also kind of a guiding light. You find yourself moving towards those things that your voice can can carry out like the punk thing is definitely mainly mike mike who sings on the song spanish radio and and that the previous song freewheeling like his voice is naturally very punk because that's what he came up listening to he's from dc and he used to go to hardcore shows and punk shows and is a huge fan of the pogues and all these different bands and so his voice just started sounding that from the beginning and for me i think i had a more awkward thing where if you listen to the for the, la- the first record that I sing on is on tap. And I think my voice sort of sounds like Randy Newman. And then I realized that like it, it would actually sound better if it sounded more like Rivers Cuomo or like Ezra Koenig. So like mm-hmm. pop, like fully poppy. So th- and I think everyone has had that journey in the band. Um, so it's interesting because it makes the bands, that can be a thing that makes them, an artist work very narrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that
1: like they can only really, like even I would say my own solo works are pretty narrow. So what's cool about this band is like you have a, I'm like the poppy guy and then you have the punk guy and then Alden kind of switches between being like the bluesy guy and the punky guy and then sometimes the folky dude. So you have a pretty big range.
0: Yeah. That's a neat like array of musical influences too to have. (laughs) Totally.
1: (laughs) It's a nice way to do something like at least vaguely original but not like completely on purpose because Mm -hmm. I think if you set out just to be original that can, I don't know, be a little unlistenable. (laughs)
0: yeah definitely yeah what were um some of your musical influences growing up like like who did you listen to a lot and even today
1: yeah my personal background is definitely pretty rooted in jazz like I was yeah I started playing the saxophone when I was 10 and I was like a super super serious jazz musician and I still am a jazz musician and um but that was it and and the music in my house for me personally which is this Weird thing is that my parents didn't raise me on their generation's music. I think one thing they said to me is like they were like kind of bored of it by the time I came along. So like I didn't really grow up around like Carol King and James Taylor, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My parents just listened to like show tunes. <laughs> Not like Rent, but like Gershwin.
0: Oh yeah. You
1: know, like we had a piano in the living room and there's this big fake book of like all these songs like Some Enchanted Evening and like all the songs from My Fair Lady. You know what I mean? So that yeah. was my reference for like But I, before I started playing jazz when I was 10, I think I listened to what all like in hindsight, really weird stuff that kids that are like in elementary school, middle school listen to, which is like Limp Bizkit, you know what I mean? (laughs) Blake 182, MXPX, definitely Weezer. Mm -hmm. And everyone says like Pinkerton is their best album. But for me, that was when I jumped off the Weezer train because I was like 10 and I was like, this is too sad. (laughs) I liked the really up-tempo vibe of like the green album because I was 10 years old. And then definitely like a middle school classic rock phase. You know, Mm
0: -hmm. when I was also
1: transitioning into the jazz thing, I was definitely like, you know, trying to like listen to Zeppelin and do that thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And then it's been a a different, yeah, it's such a journey. I mean, I think in high school, I I was just listening to jazz and like jazz adjacent music, which would also be like hip hop that sample jazz records, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And then in college, I sort of, I, became really into Kanye. That was pretty huge. And then maybe vaguely aware of like what was hip at the time, like Grizzly Bear and Fleet Foxes and the Dairy Projectors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then continue to be a full time until I was like 25 and I started writing songs. Then that was sort of getting into what the band was influenced by at the time like Randy Newman and Bob Dylan. And mm-hmm. then sort of that chronological thing of like going there like into the 70s, into the 80s, into into like modern indie and the, and I think the turning point for me with that was that I became really obsessed with these jokes and I was like 25 which mm-hmm. was you know 18 years after they were cool but nonetheless 15
0: oh yeah nice. anyway yeah I don't know if
1: that was a little too uh, <laughs> no
0: no it's great no it's really neat to see like how it's just like so many so much different music can be combined into like I don't know kind of a unified sound I guess <laughs> of like
1: but it feels the way. And it's it is very it is a very cyclical process, right? Because people talk about that. I remember someone talking about that, like Rizzo talking about it, saying that he thought that like it always it takes twenty years for music to show up in a like again. Mm-hmm. So for him he's talking about how like in the Wu Tang they're like sampling the the records that their parents listened to, you know? So like the soul music of the eighties or the seventies being sampled in like the nineties.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and from and at this point, now that I'm almost 30, I feel like I'm even, like, I have that long arc of, like, you, you start to have that long arc for wh- wh- when you listened to was so long ago when you were young, then mm-hmm. now it's, like, a weirdly new, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It comes around for a second time. So I feel like some of that stuff, definitely the Weezer thing, realizing that I was really into Weezer-ish music when I was, like, 25, when that was when I listened to when I was 10 years old, was, like, mm-hmm. pretty wild. Yeah, definitely,
0: yeah so for your next track um 99 in October so what's the meaning of this title like
1: okay okay, I wrote this song so (laughs) I can actually especially speak to it um the meaning of the title well first of all it depends on whether you want to work forwards or backwards if you start with the meaning of the title at the moment of its creation I would say it meant nothing because you know I a lot of songs get written this way, I was definitely just going And then I just blurted out the words na-na-na in October You know what I mean? Which I think happens to a lot of people where people will talk about how they'll be singing nonsense syllables hoping they'll accidentally sing a real word and then that real word will become like what the song is about.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I was
1: just listening to an interview with John Legend about ordinary people where he was like, Da 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 da, da, da in love with you and then so it's like that's how a lot of people write, I think. Oh, wow. So I but when a song comes out, it's like that short moment of accidentally saying something forms maybe quickly, relatively quickly, either in like two seconds or like an hour into like a fully like a story that you feel like you can actually tell. Mm-hmm. So I think I probably said 99 in October, this summer's far from over. And I was like, well, that sounds catchy. Um, and then so basically what it means is it's a joke about glo- global warming and summer love. To say oh. like it's still ninety nine in October, so like let's keep this summer summer fling going
0: or oh. whatever interesting
1: interesting that's so, so it's it's supposed to be sort of a global warming commentary oh, okay. wow, but also like a very like uh adolescent juvenile love song at the same time nice,
0: nice, yeah, it has some really neat like choir like a lot of harmonies going on too, and like oh, yeah totally, it's really cool. <laughs> So like with this, um, what's it, so since you mentioned that you wrote the song, does it hit different like when you perform it as a band knowing that you kind of began this one song or does it get to a point where it's all together as a band?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, (laughs) it's a good question, great questions. Um, I think it it does feel different as the songwriter and because the songwriter is, is the lead singer too. So that's a double thing where you, and it's a little more fun to play the other guys songs to some extent because you're able to like not have any real baggage about it and just have fun and also not feel the pressure of like being the person that's like directly addressing the audience and feels responsible for how engaged they are. Um, But I think the the ideal state of the band is that everyone feels equal ownership of every song no matter whether they wrote it or not. Yeah, and, and it does go through such a process that everyone has contributed to it you know
0: mm-hmm. if you want
1: to get really nitpicky about like, hey I came up with that and you I came up with this part you know mm-hmm.
0: so for your live performances like back in the day <laughs> but,
1: back in the uh, day.
0: oh gosh it's coming soon hopefully yeah I, <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah but um how would so since it's very energetic music how are there any like rituals or any like traditions that um the rad trads have like to keep the energy up
1: during the show or before the show?
0: Before the, like the entire process.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we could be better about that. That's, that can be really hard because uh, you can accidentally uh, like sit backstage and like look at your phone until like five minutes before. You know what I mean? Cause the back, like whatever up to the show part can be really unstimulating. So I, I unfortunately I will say that we don't have a good ritual but i guess luckily we do feel we still try and we give it our all no matter what you know because that's just sort of our the only way we know how to do it yeah but but yeah we don't have i I do know bands who do things like i mean i definitely warm up i do like vocal warm-ups and stuff but and i know bands who have like whole things that they do you know and like get in a huddle before every single one you know but i think we've been i think we've been around each other like too much, you know, it's more like letting everyone like do their own thing for a second. That's healthy. That's healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's good boundaries there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't like all swear loyalty to the band and you know what I mean yeah. at, before every gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what are some upcoming projects that you just released an album in February, but what's on the. Oh, no, we.
1: Oh, sorry. We just recorded an album. Oh,
0: recorded. But, okay. Yes. Cool.
1: So, so right now I think I'm. I think I'm allowed to say this. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, we have, so we released an EP in like April.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we were planning to be touring. And then what we had reported in February, we were hoping to have out by June and or start to be coming out by June and be, because we had a big summer tour planned. Um, so now the time frame has changed and we're releasing singles this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're releasing the, First one is September 25th, Freewheeling. The one I'm playing, was, it's an exclusive for you guys.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> uh,
1: and and then we're releasing another single October 23rd. Um, and then ultimately, we have an album coming with that that is uh, a, ultimately us grouping a, a, a bunch of songs together that we felt were the best. We basically have had two albums worth the material. So this EP that we released, we were like, when we were thinking about finishing the album recorded in February, we were like, you know, some of these songs fit better with that EP. So we're going to morph that EP into a full length, which is once again an exclusive because I haven't really told anyone. And we're also like figuring out the branding of that moment. So, but so that'll be like an eight or nine song full length. And then there will be another full length, this one, like 10 or maybe more songs coming in um, probably next June with singles starting to come out at the beginning of 2021. Nice. And then We've been sort of making, we're in the middle right now making music videos for that stuff. And then we're about to start writing again to try and record another album uh, in, in December. So we're pretty busy. We're getting, we're trying to get it. In spite of not playing, we're trying to get ahead of it, you know, in terms of making music. We were say like, before we were like on the road and we would do an album like once every two or three years. Mm-hmm. And now we're like on track to make more like, maybe two albums in 2020 in spite of not doing anything else. So, yeah. and maybe release them. Not sure exactly when. So, we've got a lot of, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Right okay.
0: Yeah, the coronavirus has definitely been a good time to just kind of reflect or just kind of make Yeah.
1: Point. Yeah, I think that can be really, that's been healthy for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it can be healthy for a lot of people. It's been healthy for me personally and then for the band too. So yeah, when you're, when you're go. When you're continually going you're not like taking stock of things and you're not you're not necessarily as intentional because we were like already a band and we were already a band that was touring whereas like most people are like spending years like trying to like crystallize this project and then unleash it onto the world like in its perfect form you know what i mean yeah um whereas we were had been yeah we'd been playing together under this name since we were 20 years old like just getting on stage and winging it so yeah definitely there's something healthy about having the first time where we don't play a show for months and we just work on our music and, and the way that we want it to present, be presented the way we want it. Presented.
0: Yeah, yeah. People have also been really like rediscovering music or even like learning how to play an instrument during the coronavirus. What advice would you have for people getting into music?
1: That, um, good question. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I would say um, do it a little bit every day. Um, That's better than not doing it and then trying to cram or something, you know? Um, And like remember to have fun and yeah, just remember to like be relaxed and, and be careful of not developing any bad habits from say not having fun. I know for me learning to sing, I feel like I'm still, unlearning or fighting against bad habits i've come up with Mm -hmm. uh come up against trying to teach myself how to do it and not really checking in with like you know is the way that i'm using my voice you know does it feel great like okay i i I practice a lot but i i mess my i I sort of mess my voice up every day so clearly i'm doing it wrong but i'm just going to keep banging my head against the wall you know and i guess the other thing i would say with that is like take lessons you know and find a good teacher not just like a skilled teacher or a skilled musician as your teacher but like a good teacher who you enjoy being around and who makes you have fun makes learning the learning process fun yeah yeah
0: that's I guess that's the most important part having fun with it
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I don't I don't know I mean I guess there are probably occasional people who, who pick it up just to be like I'm gonna become a musician but I think most people pick it up at a given time just to try it out because they think it'll be fun so like it's very important to keep that in in somewhere in the picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so with the, um, since we're celebrating World College Radio Day, um, do you have any background or like have you um, like experience with college radio or like listen to it or anything?
1: You know, not a huge amount. We have um, gone to a few radio stations. I definitely, I dig it a lot and I think it's awesome that it's still going. I was just thinking about it before the interview it's an, I don't quite understand. I would love to hear what you understand about it. Cause I, I've read a lot about how, you know, college radio kind of became a thing in like the eighties. Mm-hmm. And then it was actually so, somewhat like a surefire path to success for a certain type of band, you know, yeah. like trying to play to college radio. Like mm-hmm. I think we talk talking about how they might be giants was like a, one of the first mm-hmm. bands to like sort of really gain their success through the college radio thing. But what, yeah, what form does it take now?
0: So we play a lot of, like we also, we can play some like like popular artists like Wilco and like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and Vampire Weekend. But we also, it's a lot of promoting maybe more underground bands that are like, more of like the indie punk rock uh, down low. And yeah, it's totally. just kind of giving them, I guess that niche market, cause it's mm-hmm. like some of these bands and it's also, we have actually a lot of international bands, especially from Australia and um so it's kind of a way of networking i guess like across and like bringing them to the united states and then they have like a college listening to them and then it's like sometimes they come for different concerts and like it really gets their foot in the door in different totally. ways. and it's also it's just kind of um the expectations for college radio it's a lot more I guess creative and innovative rather than like for it needs to be like commercial and like uh, professional. It's more of like, like students discovering this world and like discovering technology and like what music they want to listen to, not what's like pushed on them. So totally.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. And, you know, definitely uh, as essential as ever, if not more so in you know, fighting the sort of tide of corporate, you know, (laughs) co-op co-opt what is the word for that when you when you co-opt something what would be the verb the action co-optation that's how I was gonna you know what I mean but that
0: sounds good yeah
1: <laughs> but yeah I think it's definitely great to have have a have a uh, a thing where it's very person to person and it's not person to technological middleman tech company to person you know what mm-hmm. I mean
0: yeah it's a lot more of a direct pathway to like yeah. musician to listener yeah yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Have you noticed that as a musician there's a lot more um liberties and like freedom that you guys can do that like directly reaches the people and that you can produce yourself rather than with corporate?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean we we're like we haven't always yeah we're definitely an independent band I mean having been a live band for so long we're sort of st- just now I think and with our last cp and the stuff that's coming out now, really finding our voice even just in a recorded format as opposed to a live format. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure exactly, it, it, even more so than like just weighing it one way against the other. I think it's just the way that people do it these days, but it's, it's hard because there's just this mysterious algorithm, right? And like this mysterious, and there's a way, I mean, there is an algorithm, but there's also a way to get placement if you have enough money behind you with the right people want. I mean, that's mm-hmm. definitely established to be happening, whether it's like, you know, openly discussed or not in terms of streaming.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, uh, so we haven't really figured that out in that sense. We would love to be on a label that, you know, has that relationship with those services that is, you know, favorable. But it's definitely cool to be, to be doing stuff for yourselves and, and figuring out, what, yeah, what you can do just with your resources and just with your community too. I think that's, um, I remember, do you watch Insecure at all?
0: You know that show it's on HBO? No, no I haven't. But
1: so this woman, Issa Ray it's her show and she talked about it in this interview and I think about it like all the time. She talks about um, like looking across and not up when you're talking about your career. Like don't look at someone who's like doing better than you that you want to like suck up to or whatever, like looking at the, look at the other people that are working as hard as you and are at your same level and like create stuff with them. Wow. Um, and see what that yields, which I think is awesome. And I think is, is definitely true. We have a great relationship, particularly with our current producer who's been with us now for, he just did our last five song release and mm-hmm. we, have, we have like an album coming out with him and we're in the middle of working on it. So he's kind of become a part of the band at this point Mm -hmm. and that's been really cool we started working with him him asking us to record a few things he was doing Mm -hmm. and then he was just the natural guy to do it and then the way that we all evolved and grew like together was like wow you know like we didn't need some crazy fancy we didn't need Rick Rubin you know what I mean like the the people we know if we all work together in the right way with the right level of like empathy and intensity is going to make the music that we want to be making so
0: awesome well thank you so much patrick for your time it was awesome talking to you oh thank you it
1: was was, uh, a lot of fun for me i haven't really done anything like this in a while you know i feel like this is pretty stimulating so if i was a little too intense i apologize
0: all good all good Hey, this is Nancy. Thanks for listening in today at 91.3 FM WTSR. Remember to check out more content online at wtsr.org, on the air, or on our Spotify and Captivate channels. And as always, we remind you to open your mind.